is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 428, recorded Friday, March 29th, 2019. Indeed, it is a Friday. I'm glad you remembered because I didn't update my notes. And if I did the intro, I would have said Thursday. Well, I don't do the notes until you send me the feedback. And you don't send me the feedback until shortly before the episode. So that's when I put in the date. All right. Well, excellent. It is indeed a Friday. So apologies for the day late on the feedback show, everybody. Uh, I have had a hell of a couple of days at the day job and just wasn't able to get to the podcast last night, unfortunately, but we are here now, happy to be here, excited to read the feedback and, uh, you know, at least we didn't miss it all together. Yeah. A day late and a dollar short. Well, I'm always a dollar short, but not usually a day late. Right. Okay. Well, good, good to hear. Good to hear. Good to hear. Before we start the feedback for this episode, uh, let's take a look at the ratings. The numbers. The numbers. Let's take a look at the numbers, everybody. The Calm Before, episode 15, the second last one of season nine of The Walking Dead, achieved a new low. <laughs> for, it's like a blow to my heart. Like I you know. even skipped the chest altogether and it's like punching me right in the heart. I'm sorry, man. I don't mean to punch you in the heart. That doesn't sound very healthy. A new low of all time. It did. And uh, that number is 4.15 million. It's still over four. Yeah, but it's dangerously close to four, in my opinion. It's 100,000 people more than more than that. That's a lot. It, well, hey, yeah, it's a lot, of course. It's, but... That's more than my whole hometown. <laughs> that's everybody in the Sioux, and then some. Well, get them all to watch, and we'll bump it up a little bit, but... Uh, they won't do that. 4.15 million for the calm before. And I, I started thinking, you know that theory I had that the ratings for an episode are impacted by the perceived quality of the episode before it? That's right, yeah. So Scars, which almost everybody pretty much universally enjoyed, I mean, not, not everyone, I guess, but uh, it had 4.57. So a whole bunch of those people just dropped off and didn't come back to watch the calm before. Um, or, or on the other hand, so just the fact that the episode was good didn't make them come back. Maybe killing children and sort of the brutality of it is what kind of scared them away. And that's why they didn't come back. It could be, it could be that it was nice out. You know, it could be that there was a, a, a large number of uh, kitten-related memes on the internet that particular day and tied everybody's attention up. Well, sure. There, I'm sure there are all kinds of things that go into it, but uh, I'm trying to narrow my focus a little bit and say... Right. So you're trying to blame The Walking Dead for The Walking Dead's ratings. Well, you know what? <laughs> or at least use it as the, as the reason. I'm not trying to lay blame. I'm trying to compare apples to apples. Right. And, uh, you know, if, if people were upset by what happened in the episode before, they might not have been as inclined to come back and watch this one, which seems to be the case, but I know there's no obvious way to determine that without a giant survey of everyone who watched, which we're probably not going to do. And you'd have to include the people that didn't watch. True. Right? Yeah. So we'd have to survey everybody, which is hard to do because everybody's not always available all the time. Or willing to maximize every part of that sentence. Right. Uh, exactly. Or willing to do a survey. So anyways, well, or, or willing to not lie because people lie just for the 
fun of it, right? Constantly, all the time. Yeah. Like, why would I tell you the truth? I'm not going to be like, this is not a court of law. I'm just giving you my opinion. My opinion is complete bullshit. Yeah. Uh, you can't trust surveys, at least 45 to 50% of the surveys, <laughs> or at least the results, right? Sure. For plus or minus, you know, 15%, uh, 19 times out of 20. And 20% of the time they're right 40% of the time or something every, like that. Yeah. 60% <laughs> of the time they're right every time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. The calm before got 4.15 million. I am going to feel bad when this show dips below four. I don't think it's going to happen next week because it is a season finale and those mm -hmm. typically are receive ratings bumps, but going into season 10, I would not be surprised if we go down below four at some point. Yeah, uh, no, I can, I can see that. All right. Well, with that out of the way, let's do our feedback, Jason. Sure, sure, sure. Listener feedback. First item on the docket today is a call from Lexa. Hey, Chris and Jason, this is Lexa in Atlanta, and I'm a big fan, but uh, this is the first time I've called in, and I wanted to do so for a couple of reasons. The first is just to let you guys know that you're doing a great job. I adore your podcast. Um, I started listening to you as a little bit of therapy, actually, um, because... I was so frustrated with the show and wanted to stop watching, but you guys helped me get through that. So thank you. And then I wanted to comment on this most recent episode as well as this overall season. I've really enjoyed this season and in particular this episode. It feels like The Walking Dead is back. Um, for me, what made me watch this show and like this show was the human aspect of things. Um, it was just great to kind of get to know these characters and, and, and how they were dealing with these terrible circumstances. And the show has gotten away from that. And I feel like they're finally circling back into that and doing a really good job of it. Um, I'm invested in characters like Connie and Kelly, uh, when they were discussing how she had left her sister without saying goodbye, etc. I got really kind of emotional about that. And that was to my surprise, cause I haven't felt that way for a while about anyone on the show. And, um, I thought that was great. And then, you know, Jerry, oh my gosh, if anything happens to Jerry, I feel like uh, we should resurrect that statement that we had for Daryl a while back. And that was, if something happens to Daryl, we riot. And now I think it should be if something or anything happens to Jerry, we should absolutely riot a full on rager. He's just too wonderful. Nothing should happen to Jerry. And then, uh, Alpha, I think she's an amazing villain. Uh, for me, Alpha is doing everything that the Negan character was not able to do. And that is to say that, you know, she is menacing and chilling and just, um, you know, really terrifying. And I just think that uh, Negan's character was just too kind of silly, actually, just too much swagger in the way he spoke. It wasn't believable. But Alpha definitely is. And I'm very concerned about um, everybody and what she's going to do. Uh, and then when she was traveling through Alexandria, oh, sorry, through the fair, she stops at one point and is looking very intently at Eugene and Rosita as they're walking across the street. And I just wondered what that was about, because she definitely seemed to zero in on them and, and really have a, a kind of menacing interest. So I'm worried. Um, and then she's interrupted by Kari Payton's character, the King. And honestly, for a moment there, you know, he gives her that smile. And I thought, well, if anything could transform someone from good to bad or melt an icy uh, evil heart, it would be that smile. Oh, my. So that's my two cents. Oh, last, I just wanted to ask you guys, has no one noticed that Lydia looks a lot like a young Lori? Every time she's on screen, I think that. So I wanted to mention it to you guys, too. 
All right. Thanks, you guys. Bye. Awesome. Thank you so much, Alexa, for that lengthy email, but it was, or a uh, call, but it was great. And, mm-hmm. and first off, thanks. Thanks for the kind words off the, off the top. It's, it's great to have you listening. And uh, it, it is, it is. And we, we've had to unfortunately say it in the past and uh, we'll say it again that when the show is great, we shall uh, get together and revel in its success. And when it's bad, uh, we'll be your support group because, uh, you know, sometimes it gets bad and, uh, we have to support each other through these, uh, through these rough times, but I'm glad you think that the show is back. Absolutely. I think the show is better than it has been in a long time for almost all of season nine. Um, and one of the reasons that Lexa, uh, gave for that is because of the human aspect to the characters and how Connie and Kelly really feel like real people who are sisters, you know, who, who genuinely care for each other. Jerry as well. Of course, mm-hmm. Jerry is, um, such a lighthearted guy who can also kick ass when he needs to and is funny and doesn't let um you know doesn't let the zombie apocalypse get him down too much <laughs> yeah well hopefully he doesn't get killed off because now he's married with kids right and uh that that'd be a hard pill to swallow yeah uh i i do f- i mean sorry to cut you off there glenn was married with uh you know one on the way and that was tough enough uh, if we had to take Jerry with, uh, what's he got? Two kids, three kids, three kids. Yeah. Three. Uh, it's, uh, that's going to be rough. It so is. let's hope, hope it doesn't happen. It is going to be rough. Um, but I mean, you could easily argue that everyone whose head was on a pike was equally rough too. Some of them had children technically. Uh, Frankie was caring for a, for a kid at this point. So, um, but Jerry, yeah, we know Jerry, we love Jerry. We don't want anything bad to happen to Jerry. Uh, but I do admit that I worry about him a little bit. I feel like he's the type of character that will either. Oh my God. Thank you very much. My You're wife. welcome. Hey, hi. How do I get in there? You're on. Well, Over, Over this way. Oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> that's my wife, Jenny. Hi, Jenny. Hi. She just dropped off a coffee for me. She's wonderful. Thank you very much, sweetheart. Okay. Am I, uh, You're on the podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Have fun. Okay. Enjoy. Bye. All right. A, uh, a cameo, everybody. Yeah, a little cameo there. Cameo. Make coffee and is awesome. It's probably the first time. Uh, anyhow, um, Jerry. Don't want anything bad to happen to Jerry, but I fear that uh, he's either going to be the type of character who lasts all the way until the end or is going to be a huge, big, sad deal when he's finally killed somehow. Yeah, he better last all the way to the end. Or uh, at least, you know, right off into the sunset with his family in tow off to better lands. Sure. I would take that. That would be just fine. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Lexa also mentioned Alpha being an amazing villain, which I'm really starting to agree with, you know, certainly yeah. lately, uh, which, you know, we've talked about a little bit and we, I'm sure we will some more. Um, and then really quickly, she mentioned her Alpha eyeing Eugene and Rosita there before and being interrupted by the King Ezekiel. And I wonder if that was just kind of her looking around considering who to take like thinking who should come to my barn of death yeah i mean we'll get more into that later but yeah she could be uh, she, she she was definitely casing the place for uh victims right that's what i'm saying i i think yeah. that's what was going on there and so i don't think she's looking for more victims no right no. like i don't think uh, eugene and rosita are uh, in danger specifically well, not now, but at the time, I think she was considering them. So I, th- I'd say we almost, or we came close to losing one and or both of them. Yeah. Right. If we put ourselves in the, in the universe. So good stuff. 
Yeah. Next, we have a call from Don. Hey, guys. Uh, Don in Wisconsin. I know it's poor form to speak ill of the dead, but in the case of Henry, I just can't resist myself. I'm so glad that that character is gone. I've had problems with the acting from the beginning, but acting aside, the character was written in such a way that he was the worst character that was one of our group of survivors since possibly Andrea. I think Andrea, though, may have made a good decision now or then. Henry, however, has never made a good decision. I can't think of one. Before the time jump, he opened up the jail pen at Hilltop. Then, on the night that Morgan and Carol raided the kingdom, uh, Henry showed up. He wasn't supposed to be there. He killed Gavin, which may have been the only beneficial thing he ever did, but Morgan may still have spared Gavin. We don't know. This season, he blows it on his first night in Hilltop by getting drunk and getting thrown in jail. There he falls in love with Lydia. She's probably the first girl he's ever talked to. Then he follows her back to the Whisperer camp, gets caught, and leaves Alpha looking weak and in her mind with no choice but to retaliate. I'm glad his death is going to advance the plot and give us the return of Rambo Carroll, hopefully. I'm more happy that the one blight on what has been a near-perfect season has been removed. Thanks a lot, guys. Love the podcast. Keep it up. Well, Henry sucks. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And it's not speaking ill of the dead. He's not dead. It's just the character's dead. That's fine. Well, sure. But you're talking about the dead character. Uh, when, you know, when Don lays it all out like that, it does seem like Henry made a lot of poor decisions uh, and just didn't think before he acted in a lot of cases. But he did eat a worm. So there's that. Yeah. I mean, he made a lot of bad decisions, but they were all for a girl. So... You know, we've all been there. You can kind of understand it. That's right. I at least, yeah, at least I can. <laughs> totally. <laughs> if if you know, I was if I was uh, around that age in the zombie apocalypse. Oh, the shit that would go down. <laughs> Wait a minute, that's your real life, isn't it? I, I know, but uh, like at least in my real life, people wouldn't die. Mm. Or didn't die, and I didn't kill anybody. Good. You know, I tried mostly myself, but I tried. But if it was a zombie apocalypse. Uh, you know, there'd be lives on the line and right. it would not be good. Okay. Well, anyways, yeah, that's, that's good. I mean, Henry is gone and, uh, he'll have to be replaced with some other character to make poor decisions. But in the meantime, yes, he may have activated Carol and we will look forward to seeing what she can do. Yeah. Okay. Call from Patrick coming up next. Hi guys. Uh, my name is Patrick. Um, I live in London, in England. Um, I'm a huge fan of your show. I've been listening for a while. I actually sent in a voice note like this, similar, talking about a theory that I had around season eight time. Um, I, I really enjoyed uh, last night's, well, not last night's, but uh, episode 15 of this season. I think this season has been one of the best seasons of the show so far. Um, I really liked how different the first and second half of the season felt. This first half of the season uh, with the Rick stuff um, building up and then the second half it just felt completely different and uh, I really enjoyed that. Um, I think they did a really good job like building up the Pike stuff as a comic reader, uh, I knew that that was coming, but that that in that like tension that 
the the drama like i wasn't sure who was on the pike and then that slow reveal with the music it was just it was so great and carol's reaction made it so much better like all of those actors sold sold that so well um yeah not nothing else to really say i just really enjoyed the episode looking forward to see what they do with the with the rest of the season um keep up the good work guys i really enjoy the show thank you bye Awesome, thanks, Patrick. So we've only got one more episode to uh, to go, of course. Yep. So I I suspect that you know next week's season finale will be um, as much about kind of setting things up for season ten as it is kind of wrapping up season nine. If you know what I mean, right? They're gonna. I do. I think they're going to introduce some things that will play out long term in season ten. I don't know what those are. And, um, I, you know, barely can even speculate, but, um, it's, it's going to be dealing with the fallout of what's happened now. I wouldn't even be surprised if there was another mini time jump. Like we have those heads on pikes and now we're six weeks or six months in the future. And they've been trying to live with, you know, the knowledge that the whispers are out there and that they are dangerous and sort of also propelling us into the future, which is setting things up for season 10 a little bit. I'm not sure if that works. We've already had a lot of time jumps, yeah. uh, but it is possible, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I mean, we did have, uh, it's a bit of a time jump uh, when they moved to Lydia dropping off that pog with the H on it for Henry. Like the uh, the heads were gone and the blood was dry and, uh, you know, it was starting to snow a little bit. So I'm not saying it's a long time jump because they said winter's coming, but, you know, it might have been a week or two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it could have been anywhere from a few days to a few weeks, probably. I don't think they would have waited more than that for her to go there and sort of pay her respects to the pike, <laughs> to, Henry's, <laughs> to Henry's pike. But yeah. Um, but but yeah, I I I don't know. I guess uh, I guess because the snow started in this episode, we're probably not going way far ahead, uh, unless we pick up right where we left off in a snowstorm, and then midway through the episode, you know, we sort of set up, start setting up season ten, which causes a bit of a time jump. But anyways, I'm just sort of speculating. Uh, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I certainly think that there. Were, will be some things in this season finale that we look forward to in season 10. Uh, yeah, I absolutely agree that, uh, you know, that's a nice thing to do with the season finale is to wrap up the season as a whole and kick off what's going to happen at the beginning of next season. Right. Without making it a, a, a real big time frustrating cliffhanger or anything like yeah. that. Make sure there's an ending and then a new beginning. Yes, I would agree with that. All right. Next, we have a call from designer Will. Hey guys, Designer Will with feedback for Season 9, Episode 15, The Calm Before. Man, this episode was good. I'm sure uh, a lot of people agree. There's a lot of cool stuff in here. There is one thing, though, that stood out that that I ah, just bummed me out a little bit, and that's when the group who uh, leaves the um, fair to go out at night to look for the whispers, you know, they're like, oh... Uh, we go this way or we go this way. And then Michonne's like, oh, that means we split up. Oh, my God. I was like, no, that's not what you do. You do not split up right now. And, of course, of course, we all know what happened there. I don't know why at this point these uh, leaders think it's, like, a grand idea to have three or four people together just, I don't know, 
going after a, a massive community of people. It just seems real dumb. I mean, I, I thought a lot of this episode was good, but that one little bit, which of course led to a lot of bad things happening. Oh man, I just, I wish that was handled differently. What do you guys think? Well, Jason, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, I never split the party. And now I can actually attribute it, uh, I can actually uh, effectively blame them for uh, for doing that, knowing full well what that means. Eugene mentioned in this episode that they were having an intercommunity uh, tabletop role-playing game session. And he asked... Uh, um, Rosita? What's her name? Rosita. He asked Rosita to join. And she said, no, I don't think so. So <laughs> they play D&D. So they know... Don't split the party. They know what a party, a good party is, uh, is consistent of and how, uh, they can support each other and how, uh, having numbers makes a difference, even mm-hmm. a little bit of a difference. You don't split the party. You don't say, oh, we'll just send off a ragtag group of people right now. And then we'll party a little bit here at the fair and, uh, you know, have some candy apples and then we'll follow you soon. It's like, no, fucking get your shit together and, uh, you know, have fun at the fair after the imminent, uh, mortal threat is, uh, is dealt with, or at least, uh, you know, you've accomplished your goal of telling the hilltop that there's a problem. So, so get, get your ass on a horse, grab a sword and, uh, get on the road. Don't, uh, don't go have another, uh, another cider. So when they encounter that overturned, um, cart, the overturned hilltop cart, should they, uh, you're saying they should have just continued on with the mission straight back to Hilltop, everybody, and and sort of dealt with it that way rather than going out to look for the missing people whom they don't know are dead. They went to look for them. Or as long as they stay together, do one or the other. As long as they stay together, do one or the other. Okay. I mean, there are, uh, there are campaigns that start that exact way. You're on the road, you encounter an overturned cart, and there's uh, tracks off going off that way. It's like, well, do I just continue with my, uh, you know, my original plan of traveling as a merchant from one town to the other? Or do I go off on this adventure to find out what's going on and mm-hmm. maybe encounter some orcs or, you know, even some goblins or hobgoblins or whatnot? So this kind of shit happens, right? Sure. yeah. But you don't split the party. You don't have a group of people sitting around the table and then you go, you know what? The two of us are going to continue on to the next town and three of us are going to head off into the woods to find out what this uh, trail is all about. Because then really now you have two different games going on, right? The right. DML has to manage two different games while one group of people is off doing one thing. The other people are just standing there with their thumbs up their asses doing nothing uh, <laughs> and then vice versa. So no, you don't split the party. You... Decide a course of action and you all go do that thing. All right. Well, will they ever learn? Doesn't seem like it. I don't know. But now I can at least specifically blame them because I know they're playing role-playing games <laughs> and they know this. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Well, and they split the party and it didn't work out. So. Yeah. And never go out without a healer. Right? Because that's, you need, you need a healer. I mean, even, you know, military uh, military actions that happen today have, you know, medics. Yeah. Medic. You always hear them yelling medic in the movies and stuff because there are medics around. You never go out without a healer. So, and that's what you mean by don't split the party. You have your tank, you have your range person, you have your magic user, you have your healer, uh, and you have your thief. Everybody has a job and- Everybody has a job. It's no longer an effective party if you don't have all of those components. That's right. You need uh, you need to cover all your bases, or you're fucked. Right, as they did, as they showed us here. Right, 
Everyone right. split up, and that was that. Exactly. All right. Well, uh, next email is from Chris in Toronto. And Chris writes, did you guys notice Carol's strategy in differentiating between walkers and whisperers? She shone her flashlight into the eyes. Pretty clever and a nice little detail they put in. Yeah, that's, uh, that'd be a good thing to do. I mean, zombies' eyes don't, you know, dilate. Well, exactly. A zombie won't react to a bright light in its eyes, where a human, uh, it's pretty hard not to. So I yeah. like that. What you need is a good, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the kind of flashlights that go under barrel on a, mm-hmm. a, a rifle of some kind. Yep. You need one of those because they have a dazzle mode uh, where you uh, you plug it in. Just it flashes really quickly, not in a particular time, but at like random times. And uh, it's very, 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 very bright. Mm-hmm. And when shone in your eyes, you can't do anything. Like you're done. I mean, not uh, only are you blinded, but I would find that supremely annoying to have a randomly flashing light in my face. It is. It is very annoying and very uh, disorienting. Yeah. Uh, and it's exactly why they have that. So what they need is some good flashlights to do that. Zombies won't be, you know, they won't really react, but uh, yeah, humans definitely re- will react. Right. But when you can't tell the difference between zombies and humans, especially in the dark, uh, having something like that would be really helpful. So I think that's a really yeah. cool little thing that wasn't even made a big deal in the show, but it was there and it Good, again, nice attention to detail, so. The other cool. advantage is uh, you can just shoot them all in the head, you know, sort them out afterwards. Right, kill them all and then worry about it? I suppose you could do <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> yeah. But you want to kill the living ones first, right? I guess that's the thing, is that uh-huh. uh, the living ones are probably more dangerous than uh, than the dead ones, so you want to, you kind of want to do them first. I guess, especially if you're at a distance, but when you're all in tight, they're all pretty dangerous at that point. That's true. So well, not if you're wearing leather, if you're wearing like, well, not like the, you know. Sure. If you're wearing chain mail, no leather, leather armor or, uh, you know, uh, magazines or something. Duct tape. Right. Yeah. Rubber. Yeah. If yeah. You're wearing, if you're wearing a rubber suit, there've got to be rubber suits around, right? Well, you'd think so. I mean, that's yeah. not the first thing people would look for. So there's probably plenty of rubber suits lying around. <laughs> <laughs> you can make one out of, you know, bicycle tires. Yeah, totally. Car tires, whatever. That'd, that'd be an awesome armor set. A little heavy, but you know. Yeah. Okay. So next we have an email from Chris in St. Louis. Hey guys, if you remember when Jerry and his wife were talking at the fair about how it was weird that Michonne had shown up and that maybe uh, there was hope for Alexandra, they they walk away and then Alpha is shown for the first time standing directly behind where they were. She turns and looks at them, walking away, implying she has been eavesdropping on the conversation. I think she overheard that and then repeated it when she was cornered into a conversation with the king. So I would raise... So I would raise suspicion. She basically was saying a name without knowing exactly who Michonne was. So this is in reference to our lack of catching the details about how um, Alpha knew Michonne when she was talking to King Ezekiel, because we were we were stuck on the fact that she learned Michonne's name later in the timeline. So how'd she know it here? Well, this explains it. And Chris in St. Louis is not the only person to point this out. So thank you everyone right. for doing that. She overheard Jerry and Nabila talking about Michonne before she spoke to the king. I think maybe you're painting me with your brush a little bit there. I don't think I was so con- so confused. And uh, I was 
I speculated that she may have overheard the name. Okay. And that when she asked Michonne later what her name was, and she said Michonne, that just added to the confusion. I, I think at that point she was saying, oh, you're Michonne. Right. I heard them talking about you earlier. So uh, I think maybe the confusion was mostly yours. Okay. I, but, I You're probably right. And I didn't mean but, to speak uh, for you. But Chris in St. Louis is absolutely right. That actually, you know, helps, uh, uh, helps understand how she knew that name. She's just parroting what she heard at the fair. Absolutely. We did speculate though, that, that this might've been a scene that was, was cut for some reason, yeah. but indeed it was not cut. It was there. We just didn't pick up on it. At least I didn't. Yeah. So. Well, you watched the episode three times and I watched the episode twice. So maybe for the finale, we each need to watch it 10 times. Uh, let's not promise that, but I think it might be a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's fair. Thank you, Chris, for pointing that out and to everyone else who did as well. Next is Youssef in Dubai who writes, regarding Alpha's disguise, I think it was actually a good deception as she was basically hiding in plain sight. Hilltop people would mistake her for Hilda from a distance, while people not from Hilltop would not recognize her at all. She would take extra care to hide herself from people she knew were from Hilltop, i.e. when Tammy and her husband were passing by next to her. So what do you think? It's, it, it's still taking a big chance. Like at a yeah. distance, yeah, you'd pass for Hilda, but you know, at a distance, people are like, hey, look, it's Hilda. Hilda, hey, Hilda. Come on and over. Then, we got hot dogs And cooking then you here. wave and turn and walk away. It's like, Hilda, what's going on? I want to talk to you. Yeah. You know, you're risking that. That's the thing. I do agree that it, it does seem like a pretty big risk still. Um, but you know, if she kept to herself, then, then it it might work if no one sort of prodded her too much. Yeah. Or Hilda, happy anniversary. Oh yeah, where's that's your, right. Where's your husband? I heard it was your anniversary. Where's Miles? I'd like to congratulate him. Yeah. Uh, he's in the bathroom. Yeah. He's, uh, he's in the <laughs> Porta john over there, uh, pooping. He, uh, yeah, he had some bad elk or whatever, yeah. bad deer. And, uh, well, he, he might be in there a while. <laughs> yeah. When you're looking for an excuse, diarrhea, because then people stop asking questions. That's, that's a good, good advice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Keep going. Uh, all right. Next we have Cameron in Sydney. Cameron writes, for me, the best part about this episode is that it has totally brought me full circle on Alpha's character. I just didn't buy into her to start with. She seemed to hold more power than she was due, and I couldn't quite understand her motives and why the Whisperers followed her. After the capture of Carol, Daryl, and company, I was still feeling a bit frustrated with Alpha's inconsistent decisions. She was agreeing to leave Lydia, her own daughter, at the hilltop while giving Daryl a slap on the wrist and saying, don't come into our land or we'll kill you. Then... You see her take out a member of her own group just because she sees her crying and doesn't want to show weakness. At this point, I'm thinking she is, a, is as confusing as ever. She is worse to her own people than to the enemy. So why do these people continue to follow her? Then heads on pikes scene. Holy shit, I was proven wrong fast. She is dangerous, smart, unpredictable, and callous. Amazing stuff. I can't wait for the next episode. So all it takes to solidify your evil power is put some heads on some pikes. Yeah. I mean, yes, but didn't, uh, didn't Joffrey do that in the first season of Game of Thrones? See how that worked out for him? Well, um, did he? I don't know. No, the second season. Sorry. Well. I'm sorry. Spoiler for first season. He's, I'm not uh, going to say whose head on, was on the spike. Yeah. He was pretty evil, that Joffrey kid. Yeah. I mean, there are a few characters you enjoy hating more than that guy. He had to stop acting because of that role. 
Well, people were so mean to him, right? I know. It'll come around, though. They'll they'll start to forgive him after a while, and he can start acting again, and everything will be fine. But yeah, for a while there, he was just too good at his job. Maybe he needs to do a nice, lighthearted, romantic comedy, and then people will forget he was Joffrey, and he can act again. Yeah. Well, well that's what I think. Maybe he doesn't want to act again. Who knows? Maybe. I mean, some people do that. That guy, that kid that played Anakin, he doesn't want to act anymore. Yeah, there's no coming back from that, though. <laughs> well, he, he became a Marine, I think. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, I think so. That's quite the thing. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, thank you, Cameron, for that. Next up is Chris in Washington State. I've got both Chris's so far to read. That's funny. There's three Chris's. I had one. Oh, you had one. Chris in St. Louis, yeah. We have so many listeners with my name. It's really weird. Anyways, Chris yeah, and- you wa- have so many wives with your name. It's weird. Yeah, an entire one, <laughs> just for clarity. <laughs> it's still still a little weird, but that's okay. I know it's weird that my wife and I have the same name, but you know, it makes it easier. Our initials the same are the same. So if we need to initial something, either of us can do it on behalf of the other one. <laughs> yeah. No, that's the uh, same with uh, Jenny and me. No, uh, we have the same initials. Same with Jasper, actually. So oh, yeah. we all have the same initials. Oh, good. Well, it's handy. I'll tell you. It's very handy. All right. Chris in Washington State writes... How terrifying but brilliant is the power move by the Whisperers to surgically strike and leave a calling card, as it were. Nobody is ever going to feel safe again. I did not need the show to tell me that the Whisperers were able to lure people away all over the fair and incapacitate them for eventual inclusion in the main event. It was brilliant. Their group probably could not take out the kingdom in a traditional fight, but this method works to their favor. Obviously, it will be less successful next time, but the seeds of fear have been planted. I know a lot of people want to know how the Whisperers took their captives. I'm a strong believer in show, don't tell, and this was brilliantly illustrated in the episode by showing Henry dashing away to investigate a blown pipe. It is obvious to me that the others were subsequently lured by various means to out-of-the-way locations and taken. Some, such as Tara made themselves a target simply by being alone. Remember, she went to prepare for the trip setting out in the morning. Yeah. So don't, don't go by yourself. And if somebody offers you candy, don't follow them. Well, those are the, I mean, that's good advice for sure. Uh, was it enough in this episode to have Henry like run off to check the pipes and, you know, a few other things to sort of nail it home that they were kind of luring them away? Well, they established that these people were by themselves. Yeah. And that's what they had to do because if, uh, and for Henry specifically, we had to get him away from Lydia somehow. Right. Because right? uh, if he was with Lydia the whole time, this, you know, would, the story would be very, very different, if not impossible. Mm-hmm. So we had to lure Henry away. And I liked the fact that they lured him away with something they established way back at the beginning of the season. Like in the first episode of the season, they established that he was the, the, you know, he was the person that did this shit. Yeah, he was the pipe and guy. So, so that, uh, that's the thing. I, I kind of liked how they drew Henry away. Even though, personally, at the time when, uh, when we were watching this in the episode, the last, uh, last podcast episode, you know, after you kiss a girl, <laughs> don't leave. Like, <laughs> I understand from a storytelling telling perspective that it makes sense and that it was well done. But from a personal experience kind of way, you don't kiss a girl and say, see ya. I'm going to go do something else. I'm going to go hang out with my buddies. Don't do that. Okay. Just don't do that. Don't go fix the pipes. Yeah, don't go fix a pipe. I don't care what it is. You know, if you got plans to go to a movie and then you make out in the middle of the afternoon, you stick around until you both go see the movie. <laughs> I mean, you seem to have this all figured out. At least how to deal with. It's taken a lot of 
practice and <laughs> trial and error. Like the reason I know this is because I've done this. All right. These are mistakes I've made specifically. Fair enough. Well, good. Glad, yeah. glad you're, uh, so such an expert on the topic, but yeah. And I'm also glad that I'm married and I never have to deal with this shit again. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's still a little bit flimsy that, you know, Alpha and the Whisperers would be able to get these people out so sort of um, under the radar. Uh, but, you know, this does go a little way to help that a little bit. They separate people out one by one, lure them away, incapacitate them, and then phase them through the fence somehow, pretty much. All right, well, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. We know Alexandria has walls. We know the hilltop has walls. Does the kingdom have walls? Well, it definitely has a gate. Are there walls all the way around it? It would seem to make no sense for there not to be, but I understand building big walls is difficult. Well, what about uh, Oceanside? They don't have walls. No, they're more of a forest community. They have a gate too, though, if I remember. Everyone has gates. So, yeah. Okay, well, we really, we've seen the gate, but we haven't seen, you know, fortifications all the way around. And the kingdom's pretty big. So is, you know, Alexandria. Hilltop's a bit smaller and more easily walled. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, there might just be areas where there aren't walls that you could just take somebody, maybe kill a guard. You know what? There you go. You might be onto something here. I don't think we've ever seen, yeah, a full perimeter sort of map of kingdom. So maybe there's just a hedge in one section, which you can just sort of slide through. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Like when you hedge your bets, it's not you're preventing things from happening. You're just trying to protect against it and slow it down. So hedges don't protect you really. They just kind of slow you down. There you go. Well, I mean. Like, like most locks really. Well, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like like my dad used to say, locks are only good for keeping honest people out. Sure. Makes sense. Well, hedges are good for keeping nobody in apparently. Yeah. And, uh, they're, you know. More of a mental barrier than anything else. It's like, oh, I should walk around. I don't want to wreck their hedge. You know, or I don't want to get all scraped up as I yeah. squeeze through there. Right. Yeah. All right. Good. So next we have an email from Alex in London. Perhaps it was just me, but in the shock of the moment, I actually realized that I, uh, that I wasn't the great, I wasn't that great at identifying the different heads, despite the cutscenes back to the kingdom. And it took me until an hour after the episode to realize that Enid was dead. Sorry, Enid. Well, that is a, a bummer. Um, I had a similar experience with the first couple. Yeah. Uh, especially the one highwayman that, you know, we only kind of seen in the background and I think had one line. Well, even Ozzy I had trouble with because Ozzy, you know, context helps and so does headgear and shirts, right? When you see, uh, and I even had problems with Tara because, you know, Usually you're, you're used to seeing people in context and with, uh, clothing and items that were, are normally with them. Mm -hmm. But, uh, so taken out of context, just a head, I think it might be a little hard to identify, even though I've gone on for episodes of this podcast now saying that we're really good at recognizing faces and we might be, but when you have, uh, dead faces, Mm -hmm. it's a little harder to identify and to, to, you know put them together with the live faces because of the, you know, being a live thing. Right. And also these weren't real hits. So that also makes it a little more difficult. I mean, we've gone, you know, a long way in, uh, you know, making fake, fake heads of people, but, uh, we're not, we're not perfect at it. No. So there's going to be slight differences between, uh, 
you know, seeing these heads and knowing who they actually belong with. Personally, I went to a website that identified everybody specifically and I went, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I did too, just to make sure. I was able to identify, like I was pretty sure I knew who everyone was, except for, like I said, the one highwayman guy and Ozzy as well. It took me a minute because he didn't have his hat on. If he'd had his hat on, it would have been easier, but it also would yeah. have looked ridiculous. <laughs> well, I would have, you know, if I was cutting off someone's head and putting it on a pike, I'd put their hat on, especially if it was their signature item. Well, that's the thing. It's their, it's their main thing, but. Yeah, he didn't have his hat. Uh, the rest, I didn't really have trouble recognizing. Um, Tara had all her hair down in her face, but, you know, that's her hair still, so. Enid was easy. Well, they put the, they put the glasses on. What's her name? Oh, that's right. They put Addie's glasses on that, which I think is kind of silly. So they should have put the hat on Ozzy. Like, why, like, without the glasses, would we not have recognized her? Was the production staff like, yeah, we really can't tell who that is. We better put the glasses on. I wouldn't be surprised, actually, if that's the case. You know, they they had the head there with no glasses and thought, eh, people are going to wonder. Let's give her this identifying feature. Yeah, I would. Yeah, see, with the glasses, I would have put the hat on Ozzy. I would have, you know, I would have done all that stuff. Sure. Anyways, <laughs> well, I mean, we got it all sorted out now, but I must admit, I had a problem I with Frankie. I didn't quite catch Frankie. Oh no, I, I, was, I knew. Frankie. I recognized. Well, I had double problem with Frankie. First of all, I didn't recognize who the head was on the pike. And then when I rewatched the episode, I was like, oh, it's her. Why was she on the pike? And why do we care about her? I didn't realize that that was Negan's, uh, you know, uh, slave wife. What do you call her? One of, like, wasn't, one of his kept women. Yes. Yeah. It was, it was more of a, you know, slavery than anything else. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I didn't recognize her as that person Well, me, until you mentioned it, this, you know, while we were going through the recap, that's when it's like, oh, now I know who she is. Right. Well, I mean, of all of them. I mean, she was one of the lesser involved lately, right? Yeah, we'd seen her a little bit since uh, she moved into Alexandria, but not very much. So I don't, I'm not surprised people or you had trouble with that one. Plus, I don't think her hair was as bright red when she was a zombie as it was when she was alive. Uh, which It's hard to get hair right. It is, yeah. It's hard, I guess, but I don't know. Anyways, we got it all sorted out and we're comfortable with the 10 dead people now, right? Uh, yeah. I and think so. Enid's dead. And, yeah. Sorry, Enid. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. Uh, all right. Next up is Micah from Landgraf, the Netherlands. I'm sure I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Uh, so sorry about that. But, uh, Micah writes, for me, the most shocking thing was the fact that the heads were still moving. Most main and supporting characters that die are being put down before they can change. If I remember correctly, only Herschel, Sophia, Shane, Amy, and Sasha turned into zombies. Oh. So now we've got 10 that were left as zombies on the pikes. There might be more. I don't know if this list is um, exhaustive, but it's certainly accurate because those people yeah. did come back as zombies. Yeah, and Amy is way back from season one, remember? So. Yeah, well, yeah, we uh, we definitely... I remember Amy. Yeah. That was uh, Andrea's sister. Yep. That's true. All right. Next, we have a call from Lee. Hey, Chris and Jason. This is Lee in St. Catharines. How on earth can you put a head on a pike and not poke the brain? They had that 10 people on pikes, sharpened pikes, and it didn't poke the brain, and it was deep enough that the head didn't fall off. I didn't buy that. Who knows what, what happened? And you guys were talking about how sad that Enid the spy and Tara and Henry were on those pikes 
the absolute worst person they could have put on those pikes visually. Can you imagine if Daryl's walking up and he sees dog's head on a pike with his floppy dog tongue just hanging out? That would have been heartbreaking. Just thought I'd like to tell you guys that. You guys have a great day and keep doing the good work. And you're so well-spoken. See ya. Thank you, Lee and St. Catharines. Uh, so dog, yeah, that would have been brutal. Well, they couldn't do that. They couldn't do dogs for two reasons. One, you can kill all the people you want. You kill a dog, you upset your audience. Yep. Uh, it's like, you know, punching people in the face and hitting them with baseball bats in the face is one thing. But you bash somebody in the knees with a baseball bat, everybody goes, oh, right? Or everybody if, knows that pain. Well, I've never been hitting the knees with a baseball bat. Well, no, thankfully. but you know what it feels like to bash your knees and be in pain. Sure. What if you bash a dog with a baseball bat? You can't do that either. No, you can't do that. You can't kill a dog. And if they killed dog and his head was on the pike, Daryl would have turned around, turned around and killed everybody. Like he wouldn't, he would have flipped his shit and he would have turned and he would have gone and hunted everybody down right then and there. We wouldn't get the rest of the plot. Yeah, that's kind of true. Um, and I would have, I would have, uh, applauded him on. I would have encouraged him on because you can't kill a dog. No. It just pisses me off. I agree with that. Uh, what about putting heads on, on pikes without poking the brain? Well, I'm going to tell you a story. Oh. It's not a nice story. Oh. It's kind of a weird story. And, uh... So in high school, I never took biology, but I, at one point, uh, went into an after hours biology class where they were finishing dissecting cats. And we, I was in there and the couple of people that I knew in the class who were dissecting the cat and I watched and what they wanted to do was get at the brain. And so they tried to get through the skull and get at the brain. And I left after about half an hour and they couldn't do it. Uh, they were bashing it with things. They didn't have the right tools. They didn't have like a hammer or a sledgehammer or uh, a chisel or anything that they could crack the skull open. So they were just trying with various things, instruments to get through the skull and they couldn't do it. So we, there's a couple of things here. One is we know people's heads are very soft in this universe, but in real life, skulls are very hard and they're very, it's very, it's quite difficult to get through uh, the skull at, to get at the brain. So putting the head on the spike uh, I don't think that they necessarily poke the brain because your 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 uh, your skull goes down like under by, on the top of your uh, your spinal column. Your skull is all the way down there too, right? So jamming your head on a spike uh, doesn't necessarily go get you through the skull. So it's just I think that they were mostly just sitting on their necks. But given that, their heads probably would have flopped over. So I don't really understand whether it's possible, not possible, but I just, I know that getting through a skull with uh, something that's not meant to go through skulls, very difficult. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I think maybe, yeah, I, I can see how I think this would be possible, but also easy to go a little too far and uh, poke the brain. So maybe they just took a great amount of care, left enough neck to get the, the neck meat down onto the pike without poking up too far past the the jaw, maybe. And then you're not touching brain if you're only there, right? Yeah. So I, I don't they know. They put a strap on their necks and they were, the, the, the pike was actually behind their heads. <laughs> yeah, that would work too, but I don't think that was the case. <laughs> so I don't know. It's, it. you know, I think um, a friend of mine texted me earlier today about this very thing. I haven't wrote back yet, but uh, he was said same thing. How'd they put heads on pikes without destroying the brain? I'm, I'm thinking, I, I don't think it would be that hard, but you know, I In don't know. In real life, it wouldn't be that hard. 
but we have a couple of issues. The heads would fall off because they right. would be on the on the pikes very very strongly. In this universe, it's not that difficult to get through the brain or through the skull to get to the brain mm-hmm. because you can do it with the sharpened stick in this universe. We've seen it. Yeah. So lots of you just kind of you know poke them with a stick very gently into their skull and it goes right through into the brain and they're dead. Yeah. Uh, so. And even, even poking a brain a little bit doesn't kill somebody necessarily. There's stories of people's like having railroad spikes and long pieces of metal shoot right through their brain and they get up and they walk away and they go to the hospital and they're like, yeah, I got injured. And they're like, holy shit, dude. Did you ever? Yeah. But in, in the walking dead universe, like any contact with the brain kills the You touch the brain, they're dead. Yeah. So, I mean, just maybe they took a great amount of care to do it carefully and uh, maybe they've been practicing this for a long time with maybe their own people. Maybe they used straps to strap the t- upper part of their spinal column to the pipe, to the, to the stick. <laughs> like they actually just, you know, rat- stretched, strapped it down. You know, like those things you get, those, uh, those ratchet enclosed metal things you get at the, the Home Depot to, uh, to hold pipes together? Yeah, like pressure fit. Uh, yeah. The call rings. it cuffs or whatever they are. Maybe yeah. they put one of those on there and they used a screwdriver to tighten it down <laughs> so that they got the, got the, uh, the upper part of their spinal column to stick to the, stick to the stick. That would definitely work. Yeah. So, you know, maybe there's an engineer in amongst the whispers and they have a screwdriver. <laughs> Why not? All right. That explains it right there. An engineer with a screwdriver. <laughs> yeah. Cause the, then, then the heads were gone in the next shot, right? They were like gone. So we don't know. Well, I have to assume that. Uh, they came and took the heads away, killed them, and yeah. maybe added them and to threw the away the grave. the call, the pressure cuffs. Right, right? you don't need the, those yeah, anymore. So they're just like, wow, what? oh, that's how they got them to stay on, and then they just threw them on the ground, and <laughs> and squirrels ran off with them or something. Totally like makes sense. All right, well, thank you, Lee, for pointing that out. Next is John in Connecticut. John writes: There should have been at least one, if not more, of the real main characters: Ezekiel, Rosita, Eugene, Father Gabe, etc., etc on the pikes this shows they aren't willing to kill off main characters as they once were which in my opinion really makes the show lack the unpredictability it once had if you have three of the community's most important people carol daryl and michonne tied up at your mercy why would you let them live why not really drive home you mean business and put their heads on the pikes well i mean alpha doesn't know what these people make on the show Right, they don't know that they're the the top build uh, actors on the show, <laughs> so they you know they know that they're important necessarily, but they don't know that that uh, Michonne's the leader of uh, Alexandria. They don't know that. Well, they know uh, Daryl, but uh, they know Daryl. Car- yeah, they don't know who Carol is. That's a thing. I don't. Well, she does. She mentioned Queen Carol, though. Remember, when? Alpha did. Did she? Yeah, when she's talking to Ezekiel, she said Queen oh, Carol is on some official business. Um, but anyways, uh, she knows Daryl. She sort of knows Carol. Um, but you're right. I don't think she knows Michonne other than, well, no, she does, though, because of what we talked about earlier. She found out Michonne came from Alexandria, right? Oh, maybe that's why she let them live then, because they are the leaders. They have to go oh, back so. and tell their people that, you know, these yeah. people are scary. Yeah. These people are in charge. I have to impress upon them that we're dangerous and then let them see that. And then they can lead their people to stay the fuck away from our territory because they're, you know, very territorial for some reason. Right. Which still doesn't make any sense. Just, you know, take your herd and 
go somewhere else. Take your herd and leave. Why draw boundaries? Just fucking wander off to the West. But that seems... Let's let's go West. Yeah. That seems to make sense, though. These are the leaders. So, I mean, I guess you could argue just as easily that killing the leaders is uh, an effective move as well. What, you know, like what John is trying to do here, but... Not if you're trying to get somebody to do something. If you want to decapitate the leadership of some group and then have random shit happen, that's exactly what you should do. You should kill the leader and then you have a power vacuum and then there's all kinds of weird stuff that's going to happen and it's unpredictable. If you want to actually have somebody, uh, a community do something, you get their leader to do it, their current existing leader. Mm, yeah, that's true. But I mean, Alpha's such a random, seems to act in kind of random, crazy, evil ways. I sort of think maybe she would fall on the side of, of kill the leader and see what happens. Yeah. But maybe she's not as um, just kind of uh, chaos theory as we think. Well, no, because she's been trying to get her daughter back for like half a season. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a good point. But, but, but completely against what their uh, their current you know societal philosophy is. Right. I also think that... I don't think the show really shied away from killing main characters as much as John seems to indicate here. I consider Tara, Tara, a pretty and, main character on the show. And even Enid, I consider yeah. Enid the main character. And Henry, who's been predominant in the entire half season, yes, uh, as a main character as well. So I don't think that they, yeah, I don't necessarily agree that they shied away from that. Those are the three for sure. Um, Henry, and Frankie. I mean, come on, she's the, the slave wife of Negan. <laughs> right, she's had one line in the last two years, but hey. <laughs> uh, I I was going to say that I think that um, Henry may have been built up specifically for this purpose. Well, so is Ozzy. Yeah, but Ozzy's only been around for two or three episodes. But that's why he's around, right? That's like, why he's why around. bring him in around? But I, don't, in. but I don't think of Ozzy as a main character, whereas we've had Henry for just long enough that he feels main and important to the show. Uh, and here he is with his head on a pike. So definitely okay, so the difference three. between Henry and say Rick is that uh, Rick was a main character and they had him in the show for a long time without the intention of uh, writing him out of the show. Correct. And whereas Henry, the only reason they brought him to the forefront was expressly for writing him out of the show, killing him off in this case. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Um, what about Aaron? Aaron would have been a pretty major character to include too. And nobody's mentioned Aaron. In fact, was he even in this episode? I don't think he was. Uh, I don't know. I remember his arm somewhere. I think that might've been last episode. Yeah. I, but either way, like I'm, I'm a little surprised he wasn't thrown up there to be honest. Cause he, fe- he would feel like a major character to be on the pike. Yeah. But I mean, it was, I'm, I'm happy he's alive also. You know, I think he's a good character and, uh, uh, you know, has lots to do still. So I, I'm yeah. not wishing for his death, but he would have been another major one that would have felt pretty significant, I think. I, I think the big one here is Tara. Definitely. Tara's been around for a while. She was a main character. I would consider her a main character because they had her around for a long time without the express purpose of killing her off. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. They may have known that for quite a while, but, or maybe, you know, at least a year. I, I don't know when they make these decisions. Well, they wrote this season, yeah, well before it started filming or, you know, so, cause they have, they, they're, that's why they can do things like set up the pipes in the first episode and pay that off in the second to last one. Right. Right. They've got the whole season, at least the outline all put out 
together before they start even shooting. So do you think they have like this big roll of paper? Like, uh, I'm talking like 40, 50 feet long where they lay everything out, uh, story-wise for the next three or four seasons? Um, I don't know. I think if you have a consistent showrunner for a long time, you might do something like that. Uh, but I think it's different for every show probably because some shows don't know when they're going to be canceled. Others know that they're going on forever, but I know they had this for the MCU. Um, <clears throat> when they were uh, trying to figure out, uh, when they were planning all the movies mm-hmm. for the last, the last 15 or 20 movies, they had all this all laid out that this is what everybody's going to be doing. This is where this movie's going to take place. This is what's going to happen. This is where this person is and all that kind of stuff. They had this all laid out and it's laid out into the future. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, we're getting some good movies over the next uh, year or so. I'm sure more than that too. Yeah. Yeah. They're, uh, they're making a, uh, Black Widow movie. They're starting filming in like June. I know. I know. It's about time, frankly. It is about time. I hope it's not a romantic comedy because that would be just insulting, but it won't be. So maybe it, I'm just being insulting. It, it won't be. But they, Saturday Night Live did that, uh, a parody. They did a, uh, a Black Widow parody movie where it was a romantic comedy. It was her and Ultron. Well, that's what romantic. Saturday Night Live is for. So I, I know. I'm so I'm fine not with that. just being specifically insulting. I'm kind of making fun of Saturday Night Live. Sure. And the MCU all mixed in together. I'm trying to shift blame here a little bit. Very good. Well, if you just, <laughs> let's move on to the next email and people yeah. will forget it ever came up. I sure hope so. So Christina <laughs> in Northwest England writes, hi guys, is there a reason behind the people that were picked or were they just randoms? Here's a breakdown I have come up with. So under the category of wrong place, wrong time, Aussie DJ and the random highwayman, highwayman, it just seemed to have come across the group being held. I don't see these as these guys as planned. Under the category of people, Alpha wanted dead. We have Tama, Tam, Tammy, <laughs> who Alpha heard slash saw with her baby. We have Henry. Alpha obviously wanted him dead because of his relationship with Lydia. But now we get to the rest of the murders that I can't think of any reason that Alpha would select them. However, I can think of a reason that Lydia would want them dead. So we have Enid wanted to hand Lydia over while the hilltop while at the hilltop in order to get Aiden Alden back. Tara was, uh, was upset to see Lydia arrive at the kingdom with Daryl and didn't want her to stay. We have Addie. Lydia saw her as talking slash flirting with Henry. We have Rodney was being an ass to Lydia when Addie was talking to Henry. We have Frankie. Uh, at one point she was talking with Henry while he was trying to find Lydia. Did Lydia see them talking and get jealous of her also? So, are there any, are, are these all random people or do we have a dun, 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 an actual <laughs> spy in our midst finally? Is Lydia somehow behind those that were picked or is it really just a case of crazy coincidence in those that were picked, uh, had history with Lydia? Well, it's a very good question. You can so, t- definitely connect all the characters to her and find reasons that there might be animosity between them. Uh, but I think if you look hard enough, you could almost do that with anybody. Um, you could, but if you also know that Alpha was there in disguise watching this whole fair thing, she saw all this interaction between Lydia and these people. So maybe she picked these people because they had some kind of meaningful interaction with Lydia. Yeah. That makes a little bit more sense than it's Lydia in on it. So Lydia's a spy? Is that what we have to do now? Well, that's not what I'm going to do, but I could see you going down that route. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think we only have one spy. We know who that is. Was. 
Sure. Well, I slash mean, is I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe uh, Enid has a twin sister that they killed just for this very specific purpose. Well, throw throw us off her trail. Yeah, uh, you never know. You never know. But it's not the last time it's going to come up on this podcast. No. Uh, but anyways, I think your theory about um, Alpha just witnessing all of these things and kind of making her decisions, though you know, based on those interactions, I think that probably uh, explains it, or at least goes a long way to explaining it. Yep. All right. Matt in South Wales writes, it's funny. I never really paid much heed to Tara. I remember her showing up with her sister, if I recall. And since then, she's always just been there. A bit geeky, a bit chirpy, but usually a happy, optimistic face in a bleak landscape. I never thought for one second she'd be one for the chop. And when I saw her head on a stick, I was genuinely surprised. Now I'm genuinely sad that we won't see her again. She was never, she never really changed her outlook and took everything in stride with that happy demeanor. There are definitely few like-minded people in the Walking Dead universe. Don't get me wrong, I was sad for the others, even Enid the Spy, but for some reason Tara's loss affected me the most. Yeah, I guess the, you know, the takeaway from this is uh, do not be the leader of the hilltop. It hasn't you gone, die. it hasn't or, gone well for the leaders of the hilltop lately. Well, you know, Maggie just left, right? Maggie just left. Jesus was killed. Gregory was executed. Tara was executed. Uh, I'm not so sure I'd want to step into that role anytime soon. Yeah, that's, uh, that'd be bad. Who, you know, who's going to be taking over? I, I'll be honest. I think they're probably setting up Magna to step in there. Right. They are, they've, they're already back at Hilltop. That's where they were going. Yeah. And I feel like that group was maybe brought into the show to kind of fill in some of the holes left in Hilltop, but we'll have to see. Okay. That makes sense. All right. Next we have an email from Dylan in Hull, UK. It was truly shocking to see all those heads on spikes, people that we've grown to love over the years. But wait, something looked a little off about Enid's head. Could it, could it possibly be a lookalike Walker head? Is the real Enid a spy for the Whispers? Come on, Jason. I know you're with me here. Yeah, I'm with you, Dylan. You're right. <laughs> I think it was either a twin or uh, uh, someone who looks a lot like her. Right. It was uh, It was the other Enid. <laughs> <laughs> Enid 2. Enid's stunt double was on that spike, not her herself. Well, obviously what they did, because Enid's a spy and she needed to be, to come in from the cold, she needed to be brought back into the, uh, the whispers or, you know, whoever the organization is that's, uh, 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 who's in charge of the whispers. Cause I don't think the whispers are like top dog. I think there's probably like some kind of government organization that's running the whispers Jeez, or man. at least beta and Enid works for them. So what they obviously did was they grew a clone of Enid and then killed the clone in order to, uh, uh, in order to throw us off. Yeah, it must be something like that. Well, or it could be as simple as our next email from Mark in Seattle who writes, When I saw Enid had died, all I could think of was Michonne telling Alexandria the news and Negan standing in the background whispering under his breath, Ah, oh, crap, that was my best spy. Oh, I see. <laughs> That'd be good, but that takes Enid out of, out of, the, out of the game, right? It does, but no. I'm trying to keep Enid in the game. No, yeah, I, I hear you, but no spy lasts forever, except unless you're James Bond. <laughs> no, well, no, there's just poor James Bond. Poor James Bond. Well, they keep killing him, right? And then replacing him with other James Bonds. I think James Bond is just a, 
you know, a it's front. A, it's, it's a persona that different yeah, people take on. on. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't last very long. Like their, their life expectancy is not good. <laughs> no, not great. eh? <laughs> yeah. All right. So next we have an email from Trisha in Massachusetts. Is that what MA is? It sure is. It's not Maryland. What's Maryland? MD, I think. Okay. Well, from MA. I'm not good at my state abbreviations. Trisha writes, Daryl couldn't have just tossed Alpha off that cliff. I'm starting to think he's a double agent. <laughs> First, he doesn't finish the job with Beta, and now he misses an opportunity to end Alpha. Hmm. No, he would never. No, he would never. But I had the same thought. Like, there's a moment where she looks away. She looks over at the herd. And he's just standing right there, like a quick body check, and she's off that cliff. Yeah, but there's he's got his friends to worry about, right? I what what do you mean? He's standing there by himself. No, with, back at the back at the camp. There's other people. She had just told him, um, you will meet your friends on your way back and then you'll see the the border to our land. That doesn't mean they're free yet. That means that uh, they're planning to be free. There's probably some kind of incentive not to kill Alpha in order to to help safeguard his friends. As in she has to return before uh, yeah. before they're set free. That would make a lot of sense, but I don't think the episode set that up very well. She no. was there talking to him and said, you'll see our borders, you know, here, all our borders are these, in these directions. You're, you'll see our border to the north on your way back. You'll meet your friends in a field halfway there. And then Daryl walks off. Basically, she lets him go. She doesn't bring him back and then show up and say, okay, I'm good. You know, let everybody go. Right. I mean, even if Daryl ran into somebody, be like, I don't know, she left, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I do think there was an opportunity there for him to do something or at least try something. But it wouldn't be the first time that a, a character has not, you know, um, tried something on the show, performed what you think they would. So Yeah, performed perfectly. I mean, we've all been... Uh, under duress and run, under stress in some situations. And then an hour later, we're like, shit, I should have done that. Damn it. Yeah. That would have been right. a great idea. That would have worked out really well. Damn. But so Daryl's saying that probably to himself. I'm sure that's what he's thinking. Yes. Yeah. I should have just grabbed her by the neck, threw her off the cliff. I'm, right there. She was Nobody holding else a, around. She was holding a shotgun, but I do feel like there's a moment where she lets her guard down for a second and that would have been the moment to strike. But you know, it's a, it's a sawed off double barrel shotgun. We know how all know how to counter that really easily. You stick one finger in each barrel and then when she pulls the trigger, it blows up in her face. <laughs> That's right. I'm pretty sure I've seen Bugs Bunny do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when I get in the car, I turn to everybody and say, okay, buckle up everybody. Something in, something I want to try that I saw in a cartoon. <laughs> I'm going to do that later today. That'll be hilarious. It's a good dad joke. That is a good dad joke. I like it. All right, next is a call from Steve in cold but sunny Romford, Essex. Hi, Chris and Jason. I just wanted to get your opinion on what you thought about Alpha revealing the herd of walkers to Daryl. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm happy that Daryl is getting more screen time and I think Norman Reedus is doing a great job. But I, I got taken out of the episode a little bit just because I couldn't help but think what would Rick's reaction be? How would Rick deal with Alpha? I guess overall I'm I'm just missing Rick, but yeah, wanted to get your opinion on that. And also, can I just say that I am so, 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 so happy that Henry is dead. Kind of harsh, but you know, he was annoying. 
All right, guys, thank you. Great podcast as always. Take care. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. So another comment about Henry, but um, I think if Rick was still around, Rick would have been the guy up there with Alpha. I think Steve's absolutely right about that. Oh, yeah. And he probably would have reacted in the same way, but he would have looked even more sort of upset in the eyes, which we all know he's very good at doing. Um, that being said, I haven't been missing Rick at all in the back half of this season, especially more and more as we get towards the end. It never even entered my mind that I wonder what Rick would do in this situation because it would be him here if he was still on the show. Um, it didn't enter my mind until Steve pointed it out. It feels yeah. like it feels like I've gotten over Rick real quick. Yeah, well, we just, you know, move on. You know, Rick's not dead. He's just doing something else right now. I know, but I don't, I don't like miss him on the show, yeah. which is weird. And I thought I would for a long, long time. I don't know if I felt that way, but I also don't miss Rick. Which is okay. Yeah. Which I just think is interesting because, you know, a guy like that has been around for so long and then, he, then he's suddenly gone and, and you feel like it would leave a void in the show, but they've done a really good job of filling that hole with, with Daryl and with all the other characters, I think. That's true. So poor Rick. <laughs> poor Rick. All right, next we have an email from Cody in Marion, Ohio. Just imagine the kind of pain that Sadiq is going through right now, having to watch 10 good people, friends, family, loved ones, get mutilated right in front of him and knowing there was absolutely nothing he could do about it. And the whole time wondering, am I next? Most likely praying that it would be quick just to stop the torture of seeing it and to be kept alive in order to tell the people back at home what happened. This is going to take a huge toll on Sadiq in the future, and who knows if he will ever be able to find peace with it. This is very sad to have this number of deaths, but Sadiq has to live with his pain and the, uh, the visions of seeing all those good people die in front of him. Yeah, it's a good point. Sadiq has had a rough time at you know, on this show at times, like when we first met him, he was all alone and, and, uh, not all there. And he was involved in the death of Carl. And now he's the guy that had to sit there and watch all of this happen. But man, oh man, uh, has he been great? I think yeah. just so, so good on the show and him delivering that speech on stage at the end was amazing. And I mean, that's a huge thing to do. I think get up in front of people and talk. Well, I'm talking about for an actor, just like that's a pivotal moment, like on the show. And, and he did a fantastic job. Abby Nash. I agree. I agree. I agree. Good stuff. Elizabeth in Newcastle, UK writes, I still don't know why the whisperers claim territory. There's a lot of land out there. It's not like they're competing for resources with the communities. Why not just move on? It's not even a classic nomad versus farmer conflict, which is usually based on settled people trying to keep nomads from ranging over territory that they always used before. This is more like the other way around. The communities were there first and did not and did nothing to provoke this conflict. They don't seem to have anything the whisperers want and in the end the communities will win. Why did the whisperers start this fight? Oh, of course, because Alpha is crazy. Yeah, and uh, Eugene and Rosita went into their territory and climbed a water tower and put up some technology and that really pissed them off. All that because of this, how, unless the whisperers are new to the area and are just trying to stake their claim for some reason, but they're, they're, they're travelers. They're nomads, as, as she said. So this is why I think they're being run by a separate organization because their motivations don't make any sense. Just fucking 
turn left and start walking. Take your goddamn herd with you if you need them so badly <laughs> and just go. Like, just, what are you sticking around here for? Is like the deer particularly tasty here? Do they eat deer? Yeah, they. we saw them carving up some deer. That guy had a rabbit, that one guy that she stabbed in the head. He okay. was carrying a rabbit at the time. Was or he? was it a cat? Well, I don't know. They it was, eat... might've been a bird. I don't know. It was dark. Okay. They eat animals and they do need yeah, to they do eat, eat animals. Yeah. So whatever. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they could just go on their way, uh, unless there's some other mode of keeping them around here. I don't know. Clean okay, water, so they, maybe? They live out, uh, they live outside like, and, uh, they wander around. They're nomads. They don't really put up like shelter. Uh, they just kind of sleep out in the open a little because they have to stay light. So doesn't they get cold in the winter? Don't they want to go to Florida or, you know, maybe Texas or something, something a little warmer? Well, you would think. Like, what the hell are you doing sticking around Washington, D.C.? It's not the right place for you folks. It seems like it might be the wrong place for them. I don't know. Maybe more will be revealed uh, because it does seem like they could just bugger off and nobody would, everyone would be happier, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. They're they're being run by the the ZIA, the Zombie Intelligence Agency. It's a new government agency specifically organized to uh, maintain and herd zombies in order to achieve their uh, uh, specific goals. And they don't like Hilltop for some reason. There's a movie maybe, idea in there somewhere. <laughs> I think maybe it's Eugene. I think the government's after Eugene for some reason. Well, he knows something. Right. I mean, sure. He was lying about being part of a government organization way back when, but, uh, maybe he's lying about lying about that and the government wants him back. Maybe, maybe. And, and so they've sent the whisperers to get him. Yeah. Well, they're not, you know, they're not smart. They're just manipulative. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I mean, it's clearly the only explanation. Yeah. And Enid works for them. So that's why they grew a clone. You know, for, for Enid so they could get her back in to, to, to give some information. Mm -hmm. She's going to uh, eventually send Alpha back in to take, uh, uh, what's his name? Her boyfriend? Damn it. Alden. With names today. Alden. What? Alden. Alden. Yeah. They're going to uh, go back for Alden because she's, uh, she's, she's sweet on him. And so they'll bring him back in there. Maybe his clone wasn't ready. They're waiting, <laughs> waiting for the clone to grow up so that they can kill him off. Oh my God. You have it all figured out as <laughs> usual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So that's what's going on. Okay. Perfect. All right. So next we have an email from Anna in Wales. Is this the end of the hilltop as a main location with Maggie, Jesus, Enid, Tammy, and Tarragon? There aren't any major characters left that I can think of. I guess that's why they're, they moved uh, Magna's group there to have some characters left after the season's mass cull of the hilltoppers. It's probably why Yumiko and Magna had the We're Hilltop Now conversation in the episode. I wonder who will be their leader now. Alden? Is there anyone I'm forgetting? This must be where I uh, uh, absorbed the idea that uh, it would be Magna's group uh, when I was putting the feedback together. Because yeah. that did seem to make sense to me. There's also Alden. That's true. And... I mean, characters could move around. I mean, Aaron could move to Hilltop well, they, they and take over. they a pact, right? They're basically one community now, so they can, you know, they can move around. Yeah. Commute even for, you know, I'm, I work at the Hilltop, but I live in Alexandria. Yeah. I commute. I don't, I've never really had a good idea of how far apart they are, these communities, but yeah, I mean, people can move around. So there are still yeah. main characters and they can shift them into positions that make sense. Yeah, they're probably working on a monorail right now. Ooh, that would be great. Monorail from Alexandria to a uh, hilltop. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. It's a great idea. And then some light rapid transit to uh, 
uh, Oceanside. They don't sure. want to build a monorail right now. That's for phase two. Yeah, absolutely. And pe- people, but people go to Oceanside. That's like their summer residence. You know, they go there to go yeah. to the beach and go in the ocean. Yeah. You know what the advantage of a monorail is? One rail. It's above all the zombies. Oh, yeah. They just go right above and they can't climb onto the thing, right? They're not going to climb up these concrete pillars or what have you. No. And uh, they won't get up there. They don't cause no muss, no fuss. Where you go. <laughs> it's great. Great idea. Build monorails yeah. everywhere. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Zombie-proof monorails. You just put those cones around it like you put uh, put around a, a bird feeder pole so the squirrels can't get up. You just put those cones up there and the zombies, they're not climbing. No. Nobody's climbing. Not even monkeys can get up there. Oh, a monkey probably get up there. They're pretty smart. Probably a monkey. Yeah. Not a lot Squirrels of monkeys. too, because they're not, not dissuaded by those cones. Uh, no, you can put anything up and squirrels still get in your bird feeder. Damn squirrels. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, where are we? Mike in Albuquerque writes, with the death of Tara, I can't help but wonder, is there actually anyone left in Alexandria who would even know who Heath is, should he ever return? The only emotional impact would have been him seeing Tara again, and now that will never happen. It's a shame they never tied up that loose end. Yeah, I guess Heath is a chick in the bucket. He's I've, gone. I feel like he's gone, yeah. They've they've made statements before, and by they, I mean people like Kirkman and various producers saying that, yeah, don't count Heath out, you know, he might be back someday, but I'd be really surprised. And as far as we know now, I think... Heath is supposed to be in the community where Maggie is with, uh, with Georgie and them. So, all right. He could come back. He could, if we ever, if we ever go there, if the show ever goes to that community, then maybe we'll see him. But did Kirkman say it? Uh, I honestly, I don't remember, but I know you can't believe anything that guy says. No, you can. Well, you can believe the exact opposite of what he says. I don't think he's ever said a truthful word about the show. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. He did right at the beginning, you know, before they uh, aired the first episode, they talked about a dump truck full of, of bodies. Mm-hmm. They had that. That's real. I yeah. think that was the last true statement he ever made. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he probably at one point said, we're making a TV show, and that would have been true. Uh, yeah, that's true. Well, <laughs> but not that, even, because there's, now there's more than one. Oh, there you go. See, the man <laughs> is a liar. <laughs> yeah. So luckily he's not allowed to talk about the show anymore, so we don't have to deal with his lies. Yeah, that's it. But I also don't think we're ever going to have to deal with Heath again, unfortunately, which... No, he's... Well, if you say he's where Maggie is, we might he might be in the movies, right? Uh, that's true. He could be in movies. He could be in movies. All right. Maybe it'll, ju- maybe it'll just be um, an Easter egg rather than a thing, right? It's just like, oh, it's Heath. And nobody knows who he is. It's just he's there. He's just in the background, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. All right. So next we have an email from Chris in Syracuse, another Chris. Chris writes, quick, quick, quick observation. Only he only wrote one quick. I said quick more than once, and now I'm talking <laughs> off script here. So I'm going to go back. Chris writes, quick observation. All but one person beheaded was from Hilltop or was at Hilltop recently. The only non-Hilltopian was uh, killed was Frankie, Negan's former wife. Yes, it was a sex slave prison at the sanctuary, but Negan may still have had feelings for Frankie. This could be the one link to Negan that gets him in the fight against the Whisperers. I mean, people are grasping at straws. uh, Yeah, you killed my slave. I'm pissed. Trying to figure out how they're going to reintegrate Negan into the show because they really haven't used him this season. Yes, he was there to influence um, uh, Judith a little bit, and he had his one episode where he gets out and then comes back, but 
Um, I'm a little bit surprised that Negan wasn't a bigger part of this season. I'm happy about it, but I'm surprised. So I suspect Negan will have some influence on the season finale, which will be one of those things that seems like it might be setting up a little more Negan time for season 10. I think maybe, yeah, I agree with you, but I'm more cynical about it. I don't think it's a matter of what is right for the story. I think it's what is right for contracting purposes. It's a matter of they have uh, Henry Dean Morgan on contract, and if we don't use him X amount of uh, <laughs> Jeffrey. lines, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah. What did I say? Henry. Whatever. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. <laughs> Uh, if we don't have him have enough uh, lines in this season, we'll lose his contract and we want to keep him for next season. So they, you know, they trickle him in here and there. It's the same with, uh, uh, what do they do with Spider-Man? It's like either make a Spider-Man movie right now or you lose the license yeah. kind of thing. When Sony. Or maybe, yeah, Sony or, or maybe it was, uh, I think they did the same thing with Terminator, with that Terminator bullshit movie, uh, Salvation. No, that, that. Yeah. They, you know, we better make a Terminator movie because if we don't, we're going to lose the property to another, uh, we're going to, you know, we're going to lose it. So use it or lose it kind of thing. So, uh, I think that contractually they needed to keep, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan around, uh, for this season so that they could use him properly next season. Yeah. I think that you may be right about that. Um, I don't know. Uh, I was just surprised that such a big name actor was used so little in this season. Um, but at the but same he was, time. But they could have shot all his stuff all at once. Like it wasn't really integral to the other shit that was going on. They made have like got a second unit out there and, uh, you know, shot all his stuff. And then, uh, you know, after two weeks worth of work, they let him go. No, here's, like, your, here's your fucking bag of money. <laughs> we'll see you next year. Actually, you're probably right about that. They, you know, for efficiency, that's how they would do it. Um, the idea gonna, though, you know, you're going to give me a bag of money to keep my contract alive for a year so I can do stuff. And then you and you're only going to use me for two weeks. Fucking awesome. Yes, please. Yeah. I'm taking the rest of the year. I'm going to go shoot that, uh, that, uh, that goddamn movie with, uh, with the rock. Oh yeah. Rampage. Uh, that Rampage. was it. <laughs> That's right. Um, but uh, the idea that they have to get him into the fight against the whisperers, I don't know if that's going to be a thing. Like, is he going to come out and, and want to start fighting the whisperers or is it going to be something totally different? I don't know. Don't know. I think it'd be something totally different. I think that would improperly use his character as a combatant. Uh, yeah, probably that wouldn't, I don't think that would fit really well. So yeah, he's much more manipulative than that. They'd want him, like, he's not going to sit down with Alpha and then have a conversation and talk around it being a bad guy. Uh, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> no. <laughs> might talk beta out of it, but not alpha. Yeah, maybe not. All right. Uh, next is Richard on the internet. And Richard says, I feel like the Whisperers won't get their comeuppance this season, but they will next season when the communities come together and fight back as a group. And Negan will be the key. He won't be happy that Judith, his only friend, was threatened. And I think that will be the thing that's finally going to get him to come out of his cell. Mark my words. Negan will end up saving the day. I feel it in my bones. So he might not come out to actually fight them necessarily, but somehow come out to, as a new man, to protect Judith or something like that, because she's the only one he seems to connect with. Yeah, he'll avenge. He'll avenge somehow. He'll be an avenger. He'll maybe be a revenger. <laughs> he'll be a revenger. I think that yeah. makes more sense, yeah. 
All right, next we have an email from Matt in Dallas. I'm expecting big things, big things from Carol's retribution, but before that happens, this is what I hope to see. After Carol composes herself from seeing Henry's head on a pike, I want to see her change back in uh, charge back to the kingdom, run to her room and grab a pair of scissors or even a dull knife and watch her in the mirror as she chops her hair off. And then we just watch the rage build on her face. Carol is back. Yeah, well, she's going to cut her hair, get her uh, powers back, and go on a rampage. Uh, you know, I don't see her running into her room and grabbing some scissors and cutting it off. What I see is her sticking her head in a fire and burning it all off. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Didn't Shane do the same thing in season two? He shaved his head, yeah. Yeah, so uh, this is going to be awesome. I agree. I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, next is Melissa in Maryland. Melissa writes... Where did Lydia get that H chip? She wasn't at Hilltop long enough to have gotten it while she was there. And the woman who made them died before she got to the fair. So she didn't get it there either. The only thing I can think of is that she got it from her mother. But if she truly has turned her back on Alpha, why would she have something from her at all? And why on earth would she lay it at Henry's spike? If she's a turncoat spy, I hope they throw her to the horde. Well, Henry gave it to her. Henry gave her that at Hilltop, and then she used the yo-yo string that she found in the woods to make it into a necklace. So it was kind of representative of her relationship with Henry, which is why she left it at his spike. Sorry, Melissa. It's all, yeah. (laughs) No, no reason to be sorry. It's just, that explains it. Uh, I don't know if we knew that it was one of the H pogs or not. But, it's just a hunk of wood? We just thought it was a hunk of wood? Well, I don't know. Did we see what was on it before? I'm, I'm not sure I if we know. did. Here, I found this thing on the ground. You can have it. Right. I mean, well, it's a zombie apocalypse. You either got to go- It's actually kind of nice. If you're going to make a, you know, if you're going to give a card to somebody, just what you need to do is you need to take a piece of paper, fold it in half, write a note on the front, write a note in the middle, and then go outside and pick something up off, off the ground, a stick, a twig, a flower, a leaf, whatever, put it in the card. And give it to that person. It's going to be way more meaningful than just walking into a card store and buying a, a cheap-ass sentimental sappy card. You hear that, everyone? Make your card and put a stick in it and a leaf or something, and people will love it. Yeah. You, just, you don't even have to go far. Just go outside your house, wherever you live, mm-hmm. find some dirt, and uh, find <laughs> something that's growing in that dirt, and put it in the card. People love that kind of thing. Yeah, they do. All right. So, yeah. So, he uh, he gave her something that he found on the ground, but that's nice. It's nice. And that's, I mean, hell, he, she licked a worm and gave it to him. So finding a piece of wood on the ground is like far below that. (laughs) Well, there you go. Yeah. These, these, uh, these kids, you just work with what you have. Oh, don't, don't, don't put worms in the card. If you find a worm, don't stick it in the card. Like don't flatten out a worm and give it to somebody. Yeah. Probably not in your mouth either, unless you're really desperate, but you know. Yeah. All right. What's going on now? Uh, Michael from London writes, I hope that Lydia learns to learns uh, some top crocheting while she's at the fair. Whoever made that cardigan for her seems to have permanently sewn the arms together in a crossed fashion. I am glad Michael brought this up because I noticed it too, that Lydia's arms are almost always folded uh, across the front of her body. And I really kind of think it's intentional and it indicates how closed off she is and how kind of nervous about all of this she is and it's just her way of physically expressing that so i think it's a really neat clever thing the show has done um and uh and i commend them for it 
Okay, I didn't, I didn't notice that, but it is you know, definitely an indicator of being closed off, yeah. crossing your arms. You're 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 shielding yourself from what's you know external to you, and uh, I mean she she's unsure about all of these things. I think so. That's that's what's going on there. But um, I do think it's funny to think that her sweater is actually sewed to the front of her <laughs> the front of itself, and that it, <laughs> her arms only go that way. It'd be hard to get on. But uh, ah, you could slip it on over. It's, it's crocheting. It's very stretchy. Yeah, of course. Uh, okay, Tom on the internet writes, with winter coming, does this give our heroes an advantage in the coming war? During the cold weather, whenever a person exhales, it condenses and we can see it as a little cloud. So if the whisperers are trying to hide and blend in with a group of walkers, will this not make them very easy to spot and make them easy targets for anyone with a bow or crossbow? Quick, shoot them. They're wearing a jacket. Well, not okay. Yeah, <laughs> they're wearing a jacket, and also we can see their breath. Yeah, we can see their breath. They're wearing a jacket, and they look like they're cold. Shoot them. <laughs> right. They're clearly <laughs> not zombies. <laughs> yeah. No, and they would also be absolutely miserable because, uh, you know, they're cold, and it's cold outside. They don't have proper shelter, so they're living outside sleeping in snowbanks and uh, not making fires because zombies will go fire and go and... I don't know what. What do well, they do with fire? They'll walk into it at the very least, yeah. Yeah. Well, they'll they'll walk towards it. So it's uh, so they can't really have fires, I guess. I guess not unless well, I I don't know. Uh, they they maybe they keep the zombies away from their fires and they take shifts. Maybe. We know that we know they do that, right? They keep the herd like roaming around outside the camp so they can have a fire inside the camp, but Right. And they dig a deep hole and just have fire inside the hole. So that you can't see the flames from more than five feet away. Right, right. It, uh, maybe it makes it just a straight column of heat going up to the, <laughs> going <Maybe>. straight up. <laughs> or maybe they find, they grab power from somewhere and they run an extension cord into their camp and they have a whole pile of microwaves and they just make uh, a lot of hot pockets for everybody. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's an interesting point that yes, people's breath you can see in the cold weather and that would give them away. Uh, I also think you Got to try not to think about that too much because as we just discovered here in the last two minutes, there's an awful lot of reasons why the whispers wouldn't work very well in the winter or the cold climate anyways. So this might be a reason for our time jump. They might jump to next summer because they've never, we've never seen snow before in this show. Uh, you're saying you saw the previews and that there was snow. Lots of snow. So okay. the title of the episode is The Storm and it may refer to other things, but it certainly... Oh, it's a snowstorm. It definitely refers to a snowstorm, yeah. Huh. So. I'm sick of winter. I don't want to watch snowstorm on TV. Well, I'm sick of winter too, but today is really nice outside, so think about that while you're watching Sunday's snowstorm. Uh, yeah, I'm in a basement at the, at the moment. I have no windows that can see outside except for the one directly behind me that I can't turn around all the way and see. Anyway, uh, I look forward to going outside in the weather today. All right. Well, we have a couple more emails, Jason, and then you can go right. outside and run around in your bathing suit. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> I'll just take my shirt off. It'll be fine. Uh, we have another Chris. So Chris writing from Newcastle, UK. I'm with Chris. So Chris is with Chris. Jeez. I'm with Chris thinking that The Calm Before is one of my favorite episodes of this show, but I just wanted to talk about an often overlooked point. The Walking Dead is maybe the most 
effortlessly diverse show that has ever been on TV. The female characters are awesome. Many of them leaders, lots of racial diversity. That's never tokenism. Young and old characters of equal worth and even sign language this season that all seems completely natural. Can you think of any other show that comes close to such effortless diversity and inclusion? Bravo, Walking Dead. I would agree with that. And I I could sit here trying to think of other shows, but it probably would not make for very exciting podcasting. But the point is The Walking Dead is really good at this and they have been for it some is. time. And I'm really glad about this. It's, it, it, it's uh, in my opinion, it's, it's always been a beacon of inclusivity. I, I totally agree. There was a time when people claimed that the show would, was constantly killing off a black character and then bringing on another black character. There was season three. Um, season four, two, three, four around there. Yeah. Which I, I guess is a thing, but it also doesn't take away from the fact that all of the things that Chris listed are true, you know, about, the show being diverse. So maybe it's gotten better in the last three or four years, which is an improvement too. But overall, I, I completely agree with him that it's a, it's a good, um, uh, example of diverse television. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. All right. I agree agree with all the Chris's (laughs) and there are many, (laughs) and there are many. All right. Finally, we have Jasmine in North Carolina. Jasmine writes, with how fast and how hard they have been going with the show and with how many people are moving on, I am led to believe that the show is coming to an end soon in season 10 or 11. I would not be mad if it ended soon, preserving the integrity of the show. It's still enjoyable enough for me to keep watching, but it's not the same show and has come a long way since the first season. It may be time to stop while it's ahead. So I wanted to include this for two reasons. Number one... Jasmine, there are a lot of people out there who think that the show is um, well past its expiry date and think it should have ended a long time ago. Um, That's their opinion, and that just is what it is. Uh, I'm not really with them on that, but I am with you in thinking that the best thing The Walking Dead could probably do is decide to end it at some point and work towards that goal. Now, I started thinking that during season seven and eight, when we were in slightly darker times. Now that we're in season nine, and it has been mostly fantastic, I kind of feel that way a little less, because we have such a good show in front of our eyeballs. But I'm trying not to lose fact of the sight, or lose sight of the fact that we are going into season 10, and that's a lot of seasons for most shows. It so, really is. So they should probably be thinking about what we're going to do with this thing. Um, you know, over the next two, three years at the most. Yeah. And I've, I've felt, you know, oftentimes over the last couple of years that the show is on its, it's, it's sunsetting, it's coming down. It's not, uh, it's not on the upswing anymore. It's on the, uh, the downswing, but it may, it may bounce back. It could bounce back. I hope it bounces back. I hope it bounces back for another bunch of seasons. But, uh, yeah, I don't think it would be a bad thing for them to, put a pin in the end date and then uh, plan on how and when and exactly what's going to happen when it wraps up the whole story. Right. And that doesn't mean it has to end, right? We have Fear the Walking Dead. We have talk of other spinoffs going. We have these made-for-TV movies that are happening. We have a whole world out there to explore. We don't need to stick with this. 
So let's, yeah. uh, if we're going to sunset this show, let's do it on the right note and do it with a bang. And even on an, on an upswing, we're like, holy shit, I can't believe this show is ending. This is so fucking awesome. Don't end. Yeah. And then we have a, a letter writing campaign to, uh, Gail Ann Hurd and, uh, uh, and Nicotero trying, and trying, everybody. Yeah, and trying to, uh, trying to get the show back on the air. Like, yeah. We've had, there's shows out there that have been canceled like three and four times. Well. And they keep coming back. Right. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, I do think the show has bounced back a little bit for season nine, you know, um, but I agree. They should work towards something, and that's not, that doesn't mean it's the end of The Walking Dead. As you said, there are all kinds of other things going on. I have a feeling, and this is just me, that AMC is probably starting to realize that, and that's why they have more recently, I feel like, accelerated the expansion of the universe a little bit, right? So they're like, look, okay. We do have to think about ending the original main show at some point, but look at all this other stuff we can throw out there to just keep printing money. So, you know, without yeah. Fear the Walking Dead, without the movies, without some of the other plans they have, they probably would want to just stick with this show as push it through as long as they can. But I hope anyways that they've realized that, you know, they don't have to do that and can still find success in various ways. I agree. So we'll have to wait and see what happens for now. We got season 10. Well, we've got the last episode of season nine to get through this week and then all of season 10. And then who knows what after that. Uh, but that is all the feedback about episode 15. Thank you so much for everyone uh, to everyone for sending in your thoughts and your comments. Next episode of the walking dead is season nine, episode 16. It is entitled the storm and it is directed by Greg Nicotero and written by Angela Kang. So awesome. Those are some heavy hitters right there. If you'd like to do a title read by all means, uh, record yourself performing that somehow it's called the storm, send it in to me and I will play as many as I can on next week's recap episode. If you would like to get in touch with us for that reason or any other, you can email talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. And visit our website if you want, talkingdeadpodcast.com, where you can send us voicemails and find all of our episodes all the way back to the very first one. And if you can, leave us a review uh, and a star rating in iTunes. That is a great way, as I've said, to help them take notice. And I wonder, hopefully they will, you know, include some of the, some of the Walking Dead shows in their sort of noteworthy section because the season is wrapping up. I'll have to check that, but they often do. And the more reviews and sort of nice things that people say about us, the more likely we are to appear in that list. So appreciate everyone doing that so much. Um, and it helps a lot. And it makes us smile. It does make us smile, you know? Yeah. In such a bleak world like The Walking Dead, a smile now and then <laughs> is, is helpful. It is. <laughs> All right. Uh, until next week, everyone. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao, ciao.